Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Well, hello and welcome to the first day of a grand journey. My name is Kevin and I'm going to be your tour guide as we explore the extraordinary vistas that are uh, buried within an ancient book called Philippians. This is the first day in a very long and deep uh, expedition through uh, a mighty, a mighty landscape. <clears throat> I was out in a park today uh, down by the river and I by chance came across a park ranger and I thought, what a cool job. He just gets to be out there in the beautiful countryside. I don't know what his particular task was or his assignment for the day, but we, we sat and talked for a few minutes and uh, I just thought, what a great, what a great job just to be out and uh, enjoy the creation and, and maybe teach people about it and so forth. Well, that's a little bit of what I get to be today and in this journey. I get to be the park ranger, the tour guide, taking you through an amazing piece of literature. The book of Philippians is uh, one of my favorite books in all of Scripture, and I am delighted to have the privilege to walk through it with you. And we're going to do this because, well, because I really believe that there is nothing more valuable than just sitting and soaking in Scripture. And so we're going to go verse by verse through this book and uh, just try to uncover some of the gems. And I'm looking forward to doing that with you. And I want to start today, uh, as I'll start every day, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you, the one who authored this book through the hands of the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, and we humbly ask that you would let us hear a little bit more of the words and the message that are buried in this book that may have got covered with a, a, a little layer of dust from the history. But Lord God, we want to ask that your spirit would blow off the dust, rub the, uh, the crumbs out of our eyes so that we might be able to see and hear and be transformed by the words on this page. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints of Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Stop right there. I'm afraid that's as far as we're going to get for a few sessions because uh, what I'd like to do is just before we dig deep into this book, we, we want to know a little bit more about the context of the who, what, why. And so... In order to do that, we're going to peel back some of the history here. Now, I've always felt like it's important to understand the history of the book that you're reading, but sometimes uh, the, the details of history are lost. Uh, we don't know all the details and the context behind some of the books in, of both the New and Old Testament. But in the case of Philippians, we have a special blessing because there is some historic stories told just about this very city, the city of Philippi, and they are found in the book of Acts, 
And so for the next few sessions, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to focus our attention there because in that chapter, the Apostle Paul visits this city, the city of Philippi, for the very first time. And there's several stories that just uh, well, they just reveal some of the character and personality of the city that, that he would later write this letter to. And so turn with me to Acts chapter 16, and we are going to begin our journey there. So Acts 16, verse 1. And he, that is Paul, came also to Derby and to Lystra, and behold, certain disciple was there. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> we jumped into the middle of the story again. So we need to back up just a little bit. Now, I know you know Paul. He's a, a, one of the first missionaries of the Christian church, and uh, uh, he was based primarily in uh, the city of Antioch. That's where he was first sent out on his first mission uh, to, to go to the ends of the world to bring the gospel. And he traveled all over what is uh, today known as uh, Turkey. Uh, back then it was called Asia, Asia Minor. And uh, he traveled all over, started many churches, uh, went through a lot of persecution, and, and was, was wildly successful in bringing the gospel to uh, the Gentiles. Uh, a few years after that missionary journey, he, he was praying with some friends, and he decided that it was time to go back and visit his, the churches that he had planted years before. And so he grabbed a friend named Silas, a prophet, according to Acts 15, and uh, Paul and Silas set off, just the two of them, walking up through Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and uh, they came to the city of Derby and the city of Lystra, we're told, and there they met a certain disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, although his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Bunch of city names here. You don't have to know those, but just if you have a map, it, that's helpful because it, we're talking about right in the dead center of Asia Minor or Turkey, uh, these cities that Paul was focusing his attention, his ministry on. And he met this fellow named Timothy. And uh, Timothy was already a Christian because the uh, Christians there spoke well of him. So he probably was saved on Paul's first missionary journey. But this was this years later, and Timothy had grown in the faith. And uh, interesting that, I won't go into the details, but it's, uh, scholars say that Timothy was uh, probably a teenager at this time because 10 years later, Paul still calls him a youth in, in uh, 1 Timothy. So here is, he's, he's in his mid-teens, but he's this on-fire Christian. And Paul says, hey, you want to come with me? You want to you join this, this incredible journey that, that God's put us on? And, and Timothy's all for that. So verse 3, Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him, and he circumcised him because the Jews were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And, oh boy, there's a lot in that verse. I, I, won't, I won't go into all of it, but you got to understand how radically committed Timothy had to have been to just to be willing to go through that process of being circumcised just to go on this mission trip. I mean, that's, that's serious commitment. So here's this on-fire young kid, these two prophets, Paul and Silas, and off they march, and they probably are uh, planning to head to Ephesus. That's where scholars say they were, uh, the main road from there w would have taken them over to Ephesus, and so that was probably their plan, but their plan got interrupted. Verse 4, now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. The background on that is the previous chapter. And verse 5, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. 
really excited about that verse. I, guys, that's, that's what I want for the churches of my city, that they would be strengthened in the faith and increasing in number daily because of their joy, the joy that they received from hearing the word of God. And so Paul was just spreading the word wherever he went. And like I said, he was planning to go to Ephesus, apparently. But verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region because they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So this is block number one. They were blocked by the Holy Spirit. We're not told exactly how the Holy Spirit communicated that to them. Again, Paul and Silas were both considered prophets. They were both regarded as prophets. So somehow a prophetic word came to them or some 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 means the Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go that way. Not today. Verse 7, and when they had come to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them there either. And so we come to block door number two. I don't know what Paul and Silas must have been thinking at this time, maybe discouraged, maybe frustrated. It's like, here we are, we're out here, we're wanting to preach the word, we want to proclaim the gospel, we're wanting to bring the message, and and the door keeps getting shut. And it's not by the enemies, it's by God himself saying, no, no, this is not the time. This is not what I have for you right now. Guys, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you've just uh, been ambitious, had this eager desire to serve the Lord. You know, you had some dream in your heart that you wanted to do, and you felt like this is a good thing. All the signs say this is a good thing, but somehow the Lord communicates to you that this is not the right time for that, and he shuts the door. I, I know I've gone through uh, a number of experiences like that, and they're never fun. They're frustrating. They're discouraging. They're disheartening. And I can only imagine that Paul and Silas and Timothy had to be feeling some of that during this time. They're, they had these dreams of what they thought the mission field should look like, and God said, no, I've got bigger plans. You don't even understand yet how big my plans are, but just just listen and just wait. And then it says, verse 8, and they passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. So Troas, now you have to picture, if you can picture Asia Minor and Turkey, the very top left a corner of the country, the very northwest edge of the continent, actually, the continent of Asia. And uh, Troas is right there on the coast. And basically, after walking what would be a probably a 15-hour drive on a modern highway. Uh, that's how far they walked, so hundreds of miles. Um, they are essentially at a dead end. It's like, okay, God, now what? Like, here we are. We've gone everywhere we can go. And we've got, you've blocked off the all the way other ways. We're left at this dead end at the corner of the continent. What are we supposed to do now? And finally, God answers that question. In verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Wow, this is an amazing dream. And I wish I had time to just unpack all of the pieces of it, but let me just skim over the top. Macedonia is across the Aegean Sea on a different continent, the continent of Europe, in the country that is today is Greece. And, uh, um, it's a country of predominantly, back then, predominantly Gentiles. And 
Paul gets this dream of this man. We're not told who the name of the man. We don't know who this man is. Was he an actual man in Macedonia, or was this just kind of a vision of a, of a representative sample? No, I, I, I tend to think that it was an actual true man in Macedonia because it says the, the, the word is a certain man of Macedonia. And later on in the story, we're going to meet a certain girl. Uh, which is specifically saying that this was not just any girl. This was a specific girl, um, an unnamed girl. And so I believe this is the same true here, that it's a man. There's a man in Macedonia who's just crying out. Maybe he's um, uh, uh, God-fearer. Maybe he's crying out to God. Maybe he doesn't know even know who he's crying out to, but he's crying out, needing help. And he's saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He doesn't know about Paul, unless God maybe gave him some gave him some vision too. I don't know. I don't know how God opened the the curtains of in in Paul's vision in this dream that opened the curtains of some other prayer. I, I don't understand how that happens. But Paul sees this incredible vision, and he tells the other guys. And their eyes are just open. Their jaws are dropping. They're like, this is it. This is it. Verse 10. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Wow, what an exciting moment. They are realizing that they get to go on this journey. The journey that they've been wanting to do all along, and God's been putting a stop to it for whatever reason, and now God's revealed it. Two times God said no, and now God says go. They had to, if they hadn't obeyed the no's, if they had pushed through and say, oh no, we're just going to do it because we want to do it, they would never have gotten to this point. But because they were obedient to the times when God said no, now God is opening the door and saying go, and they are thrilled about it. Now, I've got to, uh, running out of time for this first session, but I've got to tell you just one more thing that's interesting about verse 10. Now, look at this. We're going we're gonna to be piecing this apart. You're going to have to look at every little clue in these verses. That's, that's the key to really understanding Scripture, is just reading and observing every detail, every note. And so there's a little detail here that's a, just a hint that, um, that is going to tell us something important. So in order to see it, we're going to compare verse 7 and verse 10. So go back to verse 7. It says, When they had come to Mycia, they were trying to go in, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And so they came down to Troas. Now verse 10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you notice the little difference there? Just a tiny little word that had a very significant difference. The difference is the pronoun. In verse 7, it was all, they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go, and they, and the Spirit of God did not permit them. But in verse 10, immediately we sought to go, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, scholars tell us that the reason that the author of the book, who we believe to be Luke, made this change in pronouns, he wasn't being sloppy, He was indicating, without calling attention to himself, that this was the point that he was joining the journey. So most scholars believe that Troas was probably Luke's hometown. 
And uh, in fact, Luke was a, um, a, a physician and there was a um, famous medical school just across the sea in a city called Philippi, which we're going to learn about a little bit more. And so he was probably, he may have been trained at that uh, medical facility, and but he lives in Troas. He meets up with Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, and somehow God um, grabs hold of his heart and he joins the journey. This is so cool to me because I just, I think these, these, this, mission trip is growing. You know, it starts with just two guys and then Timothy joins and now Luke's joining. And he, he doesn't want to bring in a lot of attention to himself, but he says, now I, we, we went across the sea. And so I just, I just think, wouldn't it be so cool to have been there with these guys? I try to imagine, you know, the four, these four warriors marching into Europe, right? The Avengers assemble, right? This is this is the, the guys who were to bring the gospel to a brand new continent for the very first time in history. And uh, and so our next session, we will we will watch as they, we'll follow them as they enter into the city of Philippi for the first time. Let's close today with prayer. Lord God, thank you for this story. Thank you for the exciting journey. Oh God, I thank you that in my life, the times you said no to me were because you had something so much better. And Lord God, I pray for any anyone who's listening, who's, who's been frustrated because they've had so many blocks, so many locked doors. Lord, I pray that you would give them comfort help them to rest in the knowledge that if they obey the no, then they will have the opportunity to finally obey the go. And so I pray that for them. I pray that you would give them great adventures. And I pray that you would open, continue to open our eyes as we follow these four warriors along the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart and transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.